welcome to Health, Happiness and Homeopathy. Hello, my name is Madeleine Innocent. I want to help you reach your greatest potential through holistic means which are both logical and empowering. This podcast is about genes, epigenetics, the germ theory and the terrain theory. I've put all the above topics into one podcast. They sound as if they're different topics, but really they're all connected. Let's look at how. Your genes represent where you've come from, biologically, culturally and spiritually speaking. You can easily see that from the biological perspective, as you have certain similar characteristics to your parents and ancestors. These characteristics can't be changed. If you have brown eyes, you can't change them to blue. What is less obvious is that you also inherit traits from your culture as well as those unresolved emotional or spiritual characteristics of your parents and ancestors. However, these are not fixed. They can be changed. They can be changed or resolved because they are simply an expression of your inheritance. This applies to everything, including your health. Let's say your mother had bad arthritis and your father died of a heart attack. At about 40, you start to develop the beginning of these symptoms. Enter epigenetics. Epigenetics originated circa 1940. It considers everything that contributes to poor health. No stone is left unturned. Essentially, epigenetics is the the study of how the environment affects the individual. The environment can be roughly broken down into three subheadings. Diet, lifestyle and healthcare. Chances are that you're eating the same food your parents ate. We know food has a huge impact on health. By learning about nutritious food and changing your diet accordingly, you could find all your symptoms clearing up. So genetics was only the expression rather than the fixed pathology. We know that immigrants tend to develop the typical health issues of their new adopted country rather than those of their parents and ancestors back in their old country. The impact of their new environment affects them. It can even be when they're consuming their traditional diet, as so often happens. The impact is energetic. Let's consider a child who's not fed a nutritious diet that supports natural growth. They're not likely to develop into healthy adults. All manner of problems are likely to develop, yet this has nothing to do with genetics. What about a child who is traumatised and doesn't receive the loving support of a, care of a parent to help deal with it? A single incident can change the course of that child's life. Multiple traumas can have a much greater impact. This has nothing to do with genes other than the way it's expressed and everything to do with the environment. These examples don't just apply to us. They are as relevant to all animals, even plants, as they are to us. For example, sharing love, respect and appreciation for anyone encourages their zest for life and their reason for being. 
singing to your plants is known to increase growth and yields. There's often no need to fix the problem beyond the obvious either. Once somebody feels loved and appreciated for who they are, they discover how to fix their own problems. Some of the lifestyle choices that contribute to poor health include living in relationships that do not support your core values, working in jobs that do not support your core values, traumas, be they physical or emotional, especially those that you have not recovered from, that have left an indelible indelible mark, juggling too much, too many things to do at once, which becomes overwhelming, Financial worries, especially if there's difficulty covering your basic needs. Worrying about things that are outside your control. Unprotected EMF, Wi-Fi, cell, mobile phones, microwaves, solar panels, etc. The healthcare you choose is also an important environmental aspect. Is your healthcare keeping you stuck in powerlessness? Or is it encouraging you to look at deeper issues? For example, your cat has stopped eating. You take them to a vet. After examination reveals nothing obvious, the vet prescribes an anti-nausea drug and an appetite stimulant. The vet completely ignored the wisdom of the cat. There was a very good reason the cat stopped eating. All that's needed is to discover why. Those drugs simply perpetuate the problem and the next time the cat shows something is wrong, it's likely to be much worse. If the vet had an open mind and liked to consider causes, then they may have looked at the diet or asked about the cat's lifestyle or asked about any recent changes in their life all in line with a critical thinker and the principle of epigenetics. If vets and doctors don't consider causes, then it's down to you. Consider what a natural diet is for whoever is your object of concern. Consider whether their lifestyle supports their natural tendencies. For example, dogs need companions being a pack animal and need to have daily exercise. Have there been any changes, either internal or external? Consider the physical effects, but also the effect that is not so obvious, the unseen effects, emotional or EMF, for example. The holistic approach to healthcare likes to look at the whole. Not every practitioner is on board with all aspects, as they can be largely focused on their speciality, or they may not know. So you still need to be aware where potential problems can lie. Perhaps the practitioner rules out all environmental factors after a close examination. They feel the problem lies at a deeper level, perhaps from a past trauma, fright, injury they never recovered from. Their treatment is to restore the health of the immune system, so now the patient can restore their own health. That's how real health works, not by suppressing the natural expression of what is obviously a struggling immune system. 
People need to be part of their health care rather than to put all their eggs in one basket and rely totally on the practitioner of their choice. People need to understand what affects their health and take the necessary steps that only they can take. In addition, they need to feel free to question their practitioner. The epigenetics model is truly a powerful tool for everyone to use. Now let's move on to the germ theory. The germ theory is based on the idea that external factors invade the body, generally organisms that are too small to be seen, such as microorganisms. Louis Pasteur, a French chemist, put forward this idea, although he later retracted it. Joseph Lister, an English MD, and Robert Koch, or is it Koch, an influential German physician, expanded this idea. This was in the 19th century, when the typical medical practice was crude and unhygienic. Cutting, burning and poisoning were the order of the day. You could say that not much has changed, but perhaps there is a little more finesse and a lot more hygiene. The idea of the germ theory was attractive, as there was no need to consider anyone's role in their health. It meant that the medical industry had all the power. Your health was in their hands. That attractive idea appealed to investors who could create medicines and sell them. For some reason, the idea of not taking responsibility for one's own health is attractive to people in general, as well as to those sniffing out a great way to make a fortune. People are mesmerised by the idea of a complicated procedure that costs a lot, in favour of a simple solution that yields better results. Tell someone they can resolve their cancer by changing their diet and lifestyle, as many have, And chances are they'll dismiss it with a preference to undergo chemotherapy, a poisonous procedure in itself. Then they will continue on with their previous diet and lifestyle and are surprised when the condition returns. We are strange creatures. Einstein's comment that you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it should be taught at elementary schools. We know now that the germ theory is old hat. We know that the idea of killing off bacteria, viruses, fungi, etc. doesn't work in the long term and often not in the short term. We know now that your microbiome is made up of at least 10 times, and some say 100 times, the amount of your own cells, of bacteria, microorganisms, germs if you like and that when you deplete them with drugs and antibiotics, your health suffers. Change is happening, as people come to realise this, but it's slow. New ideas are resisted at the very core of society because it threatens those who are heavily invested in the old ways. But it's inevitable. There's always progress. New generations inexorably move society onwards and upwards, even while the previous generations try try to hold it back. The terrain theory puts your responsibility for your health back in your hands. It's not unlike how a gardener views growing plants. A true gardener 
understands a healthy soil is teeming with all manner of organisms, some visible, some not. They encourage more by building and spreading compost, by mulching to preserve and protect these organisms. The soil is rich, retains water without being waterlogged and grows healthy plants rich in nutrients. The crops are naturally resistant to disease. This is an organic garden at its best, where nature is in control. Compare, with, compare this with a factory farmer. Their soil is lifeless, with no organisms, with no ability to hold water. The plants gain nothing from the soil, other than stability, to, to grow vertically. Everything has to be added and sprayed on. The crops are vulnerable and have no resistance to disease. They look good, but are nutrient deficient. Uh, there's an old saying that the West has never been so um, well fed and yet so undernourished. And this is why. By improving your soil, which is your immune system, you too can be become healthy and resistant to disease. Looping back to the epigenetic idea, you can see a parallel. The terrain theory tells you to look after your own health rather than blaming pathogens. The epigenetics idea tells you that your environment is key to your health. They're saying the same thing. I'm frequently asked by those who are new to these ideas if homeopathy can replace drugs, if they can have a remedy for an infection. By now, you may be able to appreciate my reply, which is yes and no. I try to explain the difference between how a medic thinks and how a homeopath thinks. Let's take an infection as, ex an, as an example. The medic looks for something to blame so they can kill it off with their drugs. The homeopath asks the question, what caused the infection? Was it an injury? Was it something you caught from others? Do you get something similar regularly? And so forth. So that gives us a cause. Then we look at the injury remedies for the first possibility, perhaps common flu remedies for the second possibility, and a much deeper group of remedies which acts on restoring your immune system to how it was designed to work for the third possibility, and so on. And then we look at your symptoms to match them to a healing remedy. So the homeopathic process is a lot more complicated and can take a lot more time than the medical approach, but the results are well worth it. It's a whole different mindset that often takes people years to get their head around. But it's such an empowering concept. It puts you firmly in the driver's seat of your health and of those who depend upon you. So please appreciate that the long list of rare diseases, infectious diseases, dangerous diseases, whatever the medical industry likes to frighten people with, is only as a result of a large population who has poor immunity. You were born with a fully functioning immune system potential. It does take a few years to mature. Things happened in your life to challenge that and prevent it developing and working as it should. 
but you can reclaim that. Till the next time, good health.